Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. We have news for you all. Yeah, we are so excited to share that as so many of you have asked for us to host more than just one week-long immersive experience, we are bringing another retreat into the fold this year. And this time we're headed to Nosara, Costa Rica, June 3rd through 10th. Yeah. We heard you. We heard you. We're doing more. We're trying. (laughs) This time, though, we're actually bringing in two of our dear friends and colleagues to come along with us and join the party. So we're going to have Ashley Torrent and Millie Murillo there. Um, And honestly, the four of us together, I don't know, our powers Mm -hmm. combined, drawing from our collective work in the healing modalities of psychotherapy, coaching, mediumship, astrology, somatic movement, group processing, all the things. We'll be supporting you all in reclaiming every aspect of the most fulfilling life you can possibly live. It's going to be such a transformational week. I'm so excited already. And if you are interested in learning more, you can go to the link in either of our social bios or head over to Vanessa's website at vanessabennett.com. And we have payment plans available for this one as well. Yeah, definitely hit me up on email if you want to know more about that. We are super excited and we hope to see you all there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Q&A episode. Danae and I decided today that we are going to read kind of a string of questions that I got from somebody only because each Mm -hmm. one of these questions could actually live on their own. Um, I kind of appreciate that one person was like, nah, I'm just going to send you 10 (laughs) and see (laughs) 
<laughs> but when you look at them in totality, you look at them as a story, I think it also lends to a really good just relational conversation. And then it brought up something for you too, Danae, right? So that you're going to share and with us some TikTok so wisdom. So similar to so many of the questions that we get, but yeah. please go right. ahead. Okay. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read all of them. Ready? <clears throat> How to not be jealous and envious of his larger social circle. Hmm. How to not hold a grudge when my boyfriend makes other plans without me. Can different life stages affect the relationship so much? There's a 13 year gap. There's three more. How to not <laughs> act childish when he doesn't have time for me. Hmm. What is a healthy middle between giving him space and being with me? And then they followed it up with, what are some examples of interdependence? Now, by the way, we're giggling not because we're like in any way shaming or making fun of this person. We're giggling because this is just so representative, right, of so much of the conversations that you and I are constantly having in this space of relationships and in this space of moving from codependency to interdependence. And just to get this person's stream of consciousness, it just makes me laugh because I'm like, well, come on, girl, sit down at the table. <laughs> Let's have this conversation. Absolutely. And I also want to name that I think everything that this person is naming in each of those questions speaks volumes to what we are collectively taught about romantic love that is just so antithetical, in my opinion, to actually living a fulfilling life. Um, we talk constantly about the unspoken war of the sexes. And I think that a patriarchal system has set it up, designed it specifically to be that way for us to be at war with one another. And I think that, you know, we can get into the layers of why we believe that is. But I think, no, you're not alone or crazy or, um, you know, unreasonable for feeling the angst that you are feeling quite often in your relationship, because it's so much of what we often are feeling. But I think it's by design in a lot of ways, to be honest. We talk about that a little bit, this idea of it being by design. Well, let me let me um, share this question, because when you were reading the stream of questions, it brought up something for me that I saw this morning on TikTok. I love that like, I'm like newer to TikTok for those of you who haven't the, the old lady on it. TikTok. <laughs> old lady's like, oh, there's this TikTok. It's Tick, TikTok. TikTok is I some of those. Uh, <laughs> some of the, the people random nuggets. calling it. And it's so funny because my young clients will like send me TikToks and I'm like, oh, that's so good. They're like, Danae, you're getting hip with the TikTok. I'm like, look at me, girl. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was on TikTok this morning. And I saw a therapist, black male therapist, I'm, I'm giving this insight to just a little bit of context in his response, but someone had sent him a question. I'm going to read the question that she sent him and what his response was. And her question was, I can do other things while watching TV, an example, cooking dinner, changing diapers. My husband can't engage with anything, all caps, while he is gaming. What is this about? And so hmm. the therapist responded to her question in a way that I thought was so interesting. And he was like, I'm going to be honest. I felt irritated when I first um, heard your question, but then I really dropped into empathy for why it might feel that way for you. And he said, what I realized is so much of what society socializes in women from very young is that romantic relationships should be the center of our universe. 
We start with fairy tales. We start with like, you know, when we're on the schoolyard, what do boys talk about? They talk about sports. They talk about what they're doing. They they live their lives. We sit around and socialize girls to talk Wait about what the, the boys charming. are doing, mm-hmm. right? Like, who has a crush on me? What does so-and-so think of me? All of our lives so often are centered around that to the point where we make our needs, our desires, our selves smaller. We don't often like um, prioritize like things like my hobbies, things like the things that I love to do for me. We're just so socialized to be externally focused and in a lot of times externally focused on what the men in our lives are doing, right? So then we marry them (laughs) and we're speaking in the context Mm -hmm. of marital or, you know, like those types of long-term partnerships. And it's like the bill of goods that we were sold about the happily ever after all of a sudden leaves us with a little bit of time on our hands because it's like, well, now what do I think about now that I've achieved the goal? And I think anybody who has ever like crossed that threshold, and I talk to couples about this all the time from, I don't care how long you're living together, something happens in the human psyche the minute you say I do. It's like we've locked it down. There's a shift in each person's way of being with one another. And all of a sudden it's like um, any of the, you know, the desire to keep catching this person, courting this person is gone. Now, that certainly can happen when people live together. But from my experience, like, sign sealed, it's done once people sign those marriage papers, right? And so a lot of times it becomes, what do I fill my head with now? If not, how to land this person, how to get this person in my life. And what I find is men, because they've been socialized from very young to go out and do the things they enjoy, take care of themselves well, have hobbies. Like, you know, he's the therapist in that um, question I was just reading you was like, you don't do things like cooking and watching Netflix or scrolling Instagram the same way he does when he's gaming because he's very invested in his hobby. He's actually like really in there and like trying to like conquer levels and like he's invested. Like it might be not a hobby. As well. Yeah. Yeah. It may not be a hobby that you value, but for him, that brings him something that he is like really enjoying. But you are not talking about things that you enjoy in comparison. You're talking about like doing dishes, like whatever's going on with the things that you have to do. And so because we as women are so unbelievably socialized to diminish ourselves, to diminish our needs, to really not have, you know, a right within ourselves really um, to prioritize ourselves We often, from my experience, spend our time focused on what the partners in our lives are not doing and why it's incongruent. And it's not that it's like we're delusional and that's not the truth, but the point is we need more of that for ourselves. And that's a little bit like, yes, it's divide and conquer, but it's also like I find even once we've divided, we really struggle to take up time for and with ourselves. And we don't have a lot that we have developed that's like, this is what I really love. This is what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because we've spent the majority of our lives focused on how we can land a man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so much of the kind of the codependency that shows up in relationships, right? It's like, I've said this a million times, it's like codependency recovery is identity work, right? It's exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing. And why do I say that? Because... I am not going to be able to break the habits, the very deeply ingrained patterns and habits of codependency if I do not know who I am. And our Mm -hmm. society sets us up 
to not know who we are, right? I mean, it is, again, it's designed that way, right? So if I don't know who I am, I will be forever seeking outside of myself external things to attempt to fill the void that is caused by not having a deep sense of self, connection to self, understanding of self, right? So whether that's a person or whether that's shopping and buying shit I don't need, capitalism sets us up in a way that says, no, no, no. You don't need to know who you are. Look outside of yourself, right? Because that's, that's right. It, it's benefit, you know, for them, for, for the capitalist society. So it's kind of an, it's an act of, it's like radical rebellion, really, for us to actually step back and say, who the fuck am I? No, truly, like do that work, right? So like, that's why so often I say to women, especially like, go on, I shouldn't say that, I said to men too, like going to therapy and doing that work, right? Which so many of us are like, oh, it feels self-indulgent. Oh, it feels selfish. Like I get all these words, right? Oh, I feel ungrateful mm. when I talk about the ways my my upbringing affected me. All of those words to me also indicate our participation in that exact same system. Because if we were not a part of that system, we wouldn't look at something like therapy, which really is all about understanding self as self-indulgent, and selfish, right? Because we would understand how important that work really is. Actually, I would say, not to get myself out of a job, but if we didn't really live in these structures, we might not need as much therapy as we actually do because we would be more connected to self from the jump, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and I'm curious to hear your response to this. I think one of the most um, controversial posts I've ever posted on Instagram was something where I said the most profound act of rebellion a woman can enact is truly loving her life. It is like the biggest F you to patriarchy possible. Mm -hmm. And V, when I tell you, and I understand But I think it's because like there's a lot of internalized shame that comes to the surface when you hear a statement like that. But when I say, I will not hate my life because that is what I have been set up to feel and do. And if I do not love my life, I'm going to shift it accordingly so that I don't feel that way. Um, And you can't make me not do that patriarchy. Um, To me, that is like the most gross act of rebellion possible. But when I tell you... What were some of the responses? Because I don't understand. Actually, it's shocking to me that that would be one of the most... Because I'm looking at it going, why is that shocking? Like, why is that controversial? I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's just so normalized to... um, You know, it's, it's the same thing of like, we we feel a sense of belonging and camaraderie and like hating on our bodies. And so if someone is like, I love myself. Yeah. yeah. And so if someone is like, I love my body, I love myself, we will feel a little like, who does she think she is? Right. Right. Because it sort of like shows us that shadow. But exactly to your point, it's very similarly, like we've been socialized to like, I can't tell you how often I will sit with a woman and she will literally say the words, men are useless. My husband's Mm -hmm. an idiot, Mm -hmm. like things of that Mm -hmm. nature. And I'm like, why are you with him? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they get like, around, right? I, all the women get around and they all get into that space. And, and this then if is you're not the do, one engaging, you're the outsider. This is what we do socially is like yeah. we sit around and we bash our husbands and listen, men do their version of this. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying that is what I mean when I say the unspoken war of the sexes. 
why am I sitting around with a group of people who are not my husband talking about why he is an idiot and feeling like that's okay? Well, it's because we've been socialized to do it. And if I don't love him and I don't love the life that we are building and creating together, who is being punished in that? Him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is being like patriarchy, capitalism? Who is being punished? Me. That like I'm the one suffering. It's literally drinking poison and thinking that some external thing is going to die. It's like, this is your life. Change it. If you don't love it, what what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But listen, I've absolutely been there. But I think it's it's one of those things where at some point, you know, I can sit and point the finger of why he's gaming or he's playing golf or he's doing all of these things that he don't is enjoying me. while mm-hmm. I am not. Um, or I can say, or I can get really curious about what I would love to do if I didn't make him the focus of my universe and make him the reason that I can't, um, what if I just decided, like, what do I love? You know, but Mm -hmm. that's the thing, right? Like, once I make that decision, then I have to move into action. Then I have to, like, be in the space of, like, okay, so what would make me happy? If I can't focus my energy on why he is making me unhappy because he has more friends, because he's not paying attention to me, because he's not doing the things that I long for him to do, then all of a sudden I don't have that distraction and the focus comes back to me. But then I actually have to get really clear on defining myself. And so, what does that mean? Like, what do I want? And a lot you know, of people like don't that. even know where to begin on that journey. And that's it, right? Like, it feels like you often say, um, you know, that when you ask people, like, what do you want? Actually, like, if if I have a magic wand, a lot of times that can be a difficult question to answer. Yeah. And I mean, there. look, I mean, there's empathy in the way that, yes, you and I are like, so change it, right? And we'll say that so clearly. And yeah, there is empathy in this because as we're continuing to talk about the fact that we are all born into this system, it's also no easy feat, right? It's no easy feat for a fish to see that it's in water or to understand the concept Mm -hmm. of water, right? So no one is saying that this is easy work to do, but it is work that is doable. It's just that it takes a lot of, I mean, resolve. It takes a lot of willingness to look in the mirror. It takes a lot of willingness to look at how we've been complacent how actually these systems in a lot of way have benefited many of us. And I'm looking at Mm. you white women as a white woman, right? Like there are ways that we have actually benefited from a lot of these systems. And so many times we're unwilling, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. It's like I'm unwilling to do the kind of rock the boat, let's rip down the system kind of work because that's terrifying. I know this devil. I don't know the devil that says like what you can be fulfilled and you don't need partnership and you know all these kind of things that are getting thrown around not that you don't need people but necessarily partnership in the way it's been served up to us oof yeah you know it's the ego mind will fight to the death to like be in defense of its limitations i can't tell you how often like the number one thing that people say in response to you know a tool that i offer or here's something like to think about it is it's not that easy or it's hard though like literally like those are the two phrases and it's like well yes living an extraordinary life that you love like it's going to require you to to make some choices about how you want to live but like you just said it's you know you can stay in the devil that you know and the ego will tell you it's not safe to step outside of that box but what if outside of that box is a life beyond your wildest dreams what if everything that could bring you more pleasure and joy and power and liberation that you have always 
on some level been hungry for is just right outside of you being in the comfort of what you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a lot of times the anger, maybe this is kind of the anger, I guess, that you were getting on that post now that I'm thinking about it, the anger that I get when I do talk about, you know, making these changes is that you get that pushback of like, oh, you make it seem like it's so easy. And so often, I mean, you know, I'm like the realist when it comes to being a therapist and living this life. I'm like, uh, no one said it's easy. I every single day of my life, and I'm not exaggerating, I probably have to decide If I'm going to do that thing that is required of me to step into Mm. the best version of myself, to continue on this path of growth, to do the things that I know are better for me than like the bad habits that I've had my whole life, right? And every time I do it, it's uncomfortable. Every time I do it, it doesn't matter if it's the 5,000th time I've had to set a boundary or the 5,000th time I've had to try to choose myself or to not people please or to speak up instead of not rocking the boat. It's hard every time fucking time and I'm not exaggerating and that's not to say it's hard don't do it it's to say it's hard do it anyway right Um, because you have to decide it's so worth it right and you've got to be the one to decide and listen if you decide it's not worth it then that's that's your decision to make right Um, but I, I will say I've become much more aware of not partaking in those ways of relating to other people that we've been socialized to do, not partaking in the like, I'm just going to shit talk, you know, stand around and shit talk my partner or I'm not shit talk my life or whatever it is. And I've become kind of hyper aware of that more recently. And I'm, I'm just like, I just don't want to participate in it anymore. Well, I just think that there's a collective evolution that is happening and, you know, I think it, well, and let me caveat this with saying, I think that whatever we pay attention to becomes our perception of the world. I was just listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza on a podcast and like, I find him so inspiring in terms of what they have found. And he is, you know, a scientist and a researcher and what they have found, like tangible facts in terms of what we can change and create and heal through the power of our mind and mindfulness and meditation and our beliefs about things. Mm -hmm. And so our words matter. Every single thing that comes out of our mouth matters. The energy that we bring into every experience matters. We either have the opportunity to create more destruction or to heal, right? Some more of like the, the what is detrimental to us as a collective or what is rising us into a higher level of consciousness with everything that we say. And, you know, just sort of circling back to what you were saying about it being hard. I think I had this moment last night, my kid wasn't staying with me and I went and turned on the alarm and I just like remembered how when I first ended my marriage, it used to be so like difficult for me to sleep alone Mm. that I used to like have the TV on, like on a timer to fall asleep. Um, I used to, (laughs) this is kind of, embarrassing but it's true I was a little scared of the dark as like a 40 something year old woman and so like sleeping alone used to be really hard for me and I just had this moment of like overwhelming like how good it feels that like 
I don't do any of that anymore. Like I go turn off all the lights. I get in my bed. I like have this different level of reverence for myself, love for myself, like safety in my own skin. Every bit of the hard was worth it because now I'm able to do those things that I couldn't do. And that is like the, like any exercise, whatever we do, we do the hard things and then we build the muscles and then we like believe in what we're capable of. So yeah, I would say it is absolutely hard as is anything that's worth having, but it is so unbelievably worth it. And I think there's so many ways that we can say collectively, like it's hard to like, you know, see what's good about our our uncle who's a little racist or whatever like right but but it's worth the hard you know it's worth the like attempting to understand it's worth the reaching across the aisle because if we don't that is to our collective detriment versus our collective evolution and it matters now more than ever from my perspective you know what i mean well because we can't evolve unless it's within the collective like some people evolve some people don't that's not I mean, I get the idea of Darwinism, but Darwinism is over like lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. It's not something Mm -hmm. that's going to happen in the next two years. So a lot of people stand around and they say, well, screw them. Like, I'm going to evolve and they're not. And listen, to a certain extent, I get that concept because it's not like you can drag people over the finish line. But to say... I'm going to focus on myself. And if in focusing on yourself, by the way, a lot of that has to do with Mm self-compassion, which then turns into compassion for others. You're not just leaving somebody in the dust. Actually, what you're doing is you're including them in your capacity for compassion. You're not doing the work for them, but you're also not saying, fuck them. I don't care whether or not they evolve, right? You're still holding them with that compassion that you then learn to, to hold yourself into. And so... I mean, that's a whole other conversation and why this is so important to do this work, right? But I think it is. It's collective evolution. It's not It's not siloed. We're not set up that way as a society, and especially now as a global society, we're even more so not set up mm. that way, right? Yeah. And when you understand that we're all connected and that we are literally energy, then we understand that as we shift our energy, the energy around us shifts. Mm-hmm. You know, I picked up my ex from the airport yesterday and he was like, oh, one, one, one. <laughs> I was like, did you just call out some angel numbers? Like, it just. Oh, that it was 111? <laughs> yes. I was like, my heart just got so warm. But it's like, he has shifted, he has changed. And it wasn't because I dragged him anywhere kicking and screaming it's because he's been on his own metamorphosis and as we change the people around us change but I think the idea that it is our work to bring anyone else to where we believe that they need to be is the antithesis of love Mm -hmm. first of all but it's also not really honoring what that person needs to do to sort of grapple with and unpack things to understand what they need to understand in their own journey um And so, yeah, I think that to me is why we're so passionate about healing codependency within ourselves, because inevitably, as we shift, the people around us start to shift as well. Yeah. So if we could give one word of advice or one phrase of advice to the person who asked the string of questions, um, I think we've given some examples of interdependence, which was her last question, but also it's really about turning the attention on yourself, right? It's really about turning the focus inward and saying, which is what you said a little while ago, if I couldn't focus on this person and what Mm -hmm. they weren't giving me and how they weren't paying attention to me and how much I wish they were, and I had to then focus on me, what would that look like? What would that bring up? 
what would I potentially discover? How hard might that be? What would I have to sit in? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of us, when we're externally focused like that, the trick, the lesson, the work is actually, and turning around the focus on the self. Right. Um, and also I think one last little tidbit I want to say about in particular, these questions from this person is, um, cut and dry too like if you're in the early stages of dating somebody and you feel like you're more into them than they are and and look I'm a big believer in like actions speak louder than words and maybe this is because I'm not a words of affirmation person but words don't really cut it for me I'm like yeah 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 I've heard it before like I want to actually see action this person's not showing up in the way that you want somebody to show up in relationship with you it's also perfectly okay to say this is not my person (laughs) we're not on the same we're not in the same place we're clearly not invested in this in the same way. It doesn't have to be like someone's wrong, someone's right, like something's wrong with you because they're not into you. It could just simply be the same a person, like we're not aligned and that's okay. No harm, no foul. Maybe I should move on to potentially look for a partner that's better suited to me uh, in, in this energetic exchange that I'm looking for. You just reminded me of another TikTok. <laughs> The old lady in the Tic Tac. (laughs) I know. Tic Tac. Um, Where this woman was basically saying, you know, all of these relationship experts are talking about what the anxious person needs to do to soothe themselves when the avoidant is pulling away and that the more that you try to grasp them. And she was like, basically, it's not fair. The avoidant doesn't have to do anything to like meet the the anxious person. And, you know, I was like, God, I wish I could talk to this woman because I would say, first of all, you're an adult and life's not fair. Oh my God, I'm such a bitch. (laughs) I literally, wait, I'm going to say this. Y'all, we always say therapists are human and I'm going to let you in on what happened for me internally as you were saying that. All I wanted to do was go, <laughs> well, I mean, she was literally like, and it's not fair. And I was like, As an oh, well, I'm going to I'm going to bring it to what I would say to my six year old is like, well, sometimes life's not fair. And we have to like, take some responsibility. So you can tell the two avoidance are being kind of mean girls right now. We apologize. Totally. I, and, listen, like I said, therapists are human. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But all jokes aside, what I would say is what comes up for me as I hear that is, I think we have been given a permission slip societally that what I do is I find someone and then I mold them into the person that I would like to be them to be, excuse me, in order for me to love them. And that is not love. Mm -mm. And so if someone is not loving you in the way that you long to be loved, like, listen, if you're a more anxious um, attachment, I think you have every right to be with someone who really sees that and really soothes you in the way that you long to be soothed and is really present for you in a way that you're longing for. But I think for you to seek out every avoidant on the planet and then decide that it is your mission in life to get them to stay with you and provide more soothing the way you want to be loved. Yeah, it's just a really disempowering stance. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to support that because I love you too much for that. Um, but also but the I same think- goes for us. Like I would I would say the same goes for us people who tend to be more avoidant, right? Like I'm going to seek out every anxious on this planet and have them continue to activate the shit in, in me. Right. <laughs> but see, well, now you don't. But like I did for many, many years, right? And it's like, this is what we do. We seek out the people who activate us. It's a way for us to attend, like potentially heal. It's not a way for us to potentially change the other person into loving us the way we want to be loved. It's a, it's a way for us to look in the mirror and say, what is this pattern? What is going on? How can I heal this in myself, right? And so yes. the same goes for the opposite too. <laughs> 
Well, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And what I was going to say that I was curious to hear your thoughts about in terms of the person who asked that string of questions is my first thing to her would be to say, my love, your work is to really build a home within yourself. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing that I'm challenged by and curious about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about, is I hear a stream of questions that are so externally focused, it almost feels, I mean, not almost feels, it feels addictive. It feels Mm -hmm. like um, a preoccupation that is Mm -hmm. very similar to the stream of consciousness that we're in when we're like in an addictive tendency, which I say all the time, I think codependency is the most prevalent of the addictions that is so societally normalized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I am wondering, do you think that that is something in a case like this where we grapple that in relationship or do I really need to separate and do some work building a home within myself before I'm ready to be in right relationship with another person? I think it depends on the relationship with the other person. I mean, it doesn't sound like this is the person that that she would be able to do that in relationship with because it sounds like they already so clearly have given her kind of ample... uh, instances where they have shown her that they're not willing to kind of be in it as deeply as she wants them to be in it. Um, I do think you can heal it in relationship with other people, but you've really got to have somebody who is very secure in themselves and can say to you, I will be here in this way. Here is what I'm capable of handling. Here is the kind of space that I'm willing to hold for you. And here's what Mm. I'm not willing to do. Here's what my boundary is. Here's where my line is. And if it gets crossed, like I'm going to, I'm going to hold myself accountable to acting on that boundary violation. Right. And so I think that if you're somebody who has more of that anxious, codependent, addictive tendency, right. And obviously the opposite of that would be more of that kind of avoidant, hyper-independent tendency. And you do have that addictive of like, I'm grasping, I'm grasping. Um, It's not that you can't be in relationship with somebody who's maybe on the opposite side of the spectrum. But I do think both of you have to have enough, have done enough work internally to know where where your boundaries are, where your lines are, what your non-negotiables are as far as like, here's what I'm willing to kind of give and here's what I'm not willing to give. Um, And if you can say that, then I, I think it can work. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not saying like someone with an anxious attachment style can't, of course, I'm not saying can't have a healthy relationship. But I think that last part that you said is important. If you've both done enough work to understand yourselves and understand what you're bringing to the table. And I think so often very similar to whatever the addiction is, if if it's a substance, we would say you need to abstain from that addiction for a while and learn how to live in your skin without Mm -hmm. something outside of you um, to feel like you're going to be okay. You need to like learn to be in that relationship with yourself first. It's literally why when, you know, addicts are in early recovery, they say do not date for a year. Mm -hmm. And so I think so often what our society has normalized is like, you can't heal outside of relationships. And I agree with that. And I think if I don't have a baseline of like, I know how to be in relationship with myself at all. Mm. I think it becomes really, really difficult to do that work while I'm um, still attempting to get that other person. Like it becomes like they offer me the release valve that I have no way of like knowing how to cap myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a right or a wrong. I mean, I do think it can be done in relationship. I just think, like I said, I think it takes two people that are pretty self-actualized to be able to do it. And that's hard. Some unicorns. <laughs> you know, it some takes two unicorns. unicorns, but absolutely, it could work. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> think it's black and white like it can't. I just think that it, it, it's har- it might be harder in some ways. And then I think being on your own and doing it is harder in other ways, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if there's like an all, all right or all wrong way of doing it. Um, but you do have to be in partnership with somebody who's really open to seeing themselves and holding themselves accountable and all those things. Um, I would say you need to be that for yourself, and sister. That's, if we they were are, talking for both. to this person, I'd yeah. say you need to do yeah, that's what I mean. Vanessa both people for yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she's always reaching for someone else, your work is about learning to like get out of the business of what that other person is doing and bring the focus inward. 100%. Because I mean, listen, as the as the more kind of, you know, leaning more avoided in my relationship, um, I can have a tendency to be more of the contained one. And part of the work of being in relationship with somebody who's attempting to heal more of their anxious attachment wounds um, is obviously for me not to self-abandon in my in my relational work with them but also to say like no 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 nope nope not doing that that's yours take it go do with what you will with it i'm not your therapist we're not going to continue to process this over and over again cuz yes i'm here to be in quote unquote service of your healing but in service of in your healing not as your therapist not as your entire healing uh community not as your one and only, not as your higher power, not at, right. I am one arm of an octopus in this, like, mm-hmm. I'm holding you in your healing. I'm not the only arm. And I, I think that's actually what we tend to do. Again, I would say both people, not just like the one, just the anxious or just the avoidant. We look to that person to be our only arm of healing. That is not what I mean when I say, you know, we heal in relationship with others. Others is plural, right? We heal in community. A romantic mm. partnership might be one part of that. It's not the only part of that. And I think what happens a lot of times is we expect that other person. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. This is like the reparenting we expect the partner to do. We look to our romantic partner to be our source of healing. That ain't going to work. Period. And really, they're just there stop. to provide you the mirror, my love. That's yep. that's literally why they're there. Your yep. healing is your work. That person is just placing a mirror in front yep. of you, showing you what is left to be yeah. healed. And, 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 you know, they can also be there to kind of hold space and hold you with compassion. That's kind of it. I mean, that's really the only thing that they're there to do. Anything outside of that is expecting them to be your parent. (laughs) You know, I feel like you said they can also hold space with compassion. I'm like, well, yes, hopefully we're not dating an asshole. Well, we laugh, but, but today a lot of people are assholes. I mean, let's be real. Like up with the asshole. I know. But what I'm saying is like, that's why I said it takes two really self-actualized people. Like it takes two people who are really to do that work because listen, I can be an asshole. I know when I am activated, (laughs) I go to a space of like, fuck off. Like I know that that's my, again, hyper independent. I put up walls. I'm very mm. like, get away from me. This relationship isn't going to work. Like, I know where I go in my head immediately. Anytime there's conflict, it's like, fuck you. This isn't going to work. I'm leaving. You know, this is why I don't get in relationship. Like, I have this whole thing in my head. So I know that I can come across as cold. I know that I can go to a space of asshole. I'm not an asshole as a person, but I know that my wounding can really bring that up in me as a defense. So even if when I say there are a lot of assholes out there, it might be more like that, where it's like, you just might have the opposite wounding where it truly brings up their assholeness, (laughs) you know? So, well, I would say, yeah, I, I would not say yes to you being an asshole, my love. I don't think you're an asshole, but we're not I an intimate think... relationship. You've never seen me be like that. <laughs> you don't know how much yeah. of an asshole I can be. I'm like, I? sometimes. No, that's my saying. exes. Um, 
But all that being said, I think even when your person is being an asshole, what it brings to the surface within you is still for you to to be in relationship with, right? Like, do totally. I me- make the meaning of this that I am not worthy of love? Do I like hustle for my belonging with them so that I can't write? Or do I say like, unacceptable, like mm-hmm. I'm like, tend to yourself and get yourself in right relationship with how you talk to people and then come talk to me when you got some sense? Mm-hmm. Or do I do what, you know, often we do, which is like, this has something to do with my worth that this mm-hmm. person is being an asshole to me? Because yes, we're going to be human with one another. But I would argue that that is still placing a mirror in front totally. of us, showing us what it is bringing up for us, you know? Totally. As as, as that person, I can definitely say that most of my work And has listen, been... you're not alone in that. Every no, person we've ever not. been in relationship with can also be an asshole all of us are assholes but I think my my work has been around the like coming back around and saying I apologize for for what I said how I said it you know I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have done x y and z like really owning that (laughs) assholeness um and like putting an and in there and saying and what I won't own is this what I'm not Mm -hmm. willing to do is this right and so I I think for me it's been it's been a both because I can own that. That was hard for me, first of all, to actually be able to admit and apologize when I was younger. But I think I I always thought that admitting and apologizing meant I also had to do whatever it was the other person wanted me to do or said that I should do or Mm -hmm. how they wanted me to respond. Right. Because again, that, that like, am I lovable if I'm not? And so I think some of my work has been to to do the yes and like I will apologize and own my part in how I showed up. And that wasn't the best version of myself. And that was kind of gross. Right. And also, my boundary is still my boundary, and here's what I'm not willing to do. Um, and and that's hard, because that makes somebody have to sit in that on their own, you know? So yes. anyway, I feel like we kind of just went in a lot of circles, but hopefully that was helpful for people. This is a very typical, the questions were, but typical example of how you and I somewhere. do these conversations. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for TikTok. It just takes us on all sorts of paths. All sorts of paths. All right, y'all. We will, I guess, see you next time. See you, hear you, talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com